Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your mind, maybe we never turn you into mushy food stuff and (laughs) devour you bit by bit (laughs) as you turn into jelly slime. (laughs) But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So today we are continuing our theme of It Came from 1982. And if you haven't guessed yet, which you probably haven't from my really stupid vague uh, (laughs) hint there, we are talking about the 1982 film Forbidden World, originally titled Mutants, produced by Roger Corman. Uh, It was directed by Alan Holtzman, who began as an editor for Roger, as many people did. There was actually uh, a phrase that they used uh, a lot of people during that time that was like the the Roger Corman's school of editing or something like that, (laughs) which basically just meant that a lot of people wanted to go work as an editor for Roger, because if you did, Roger liked to work really closely with the editors in the editing room. That was where he spent most of his time with his movies that he was producing. And there was just kind of the sense that if you did that, you could eventually maybe get a shot at directing a film for Roger. So, right. so that's how Holzman got a start. He worked as an editor. He, he worked uh, on Battle Beyond the Stars for Roger Corman, that, which eventually led him to do Forbidden World. I believe there's actually like footage from Battle Beyond the Stars <laughs> used in Forbidden World. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, He, oddly enough, went on to become a documentarian and won awards for films such as Old Man River and Sounds of Memphis. He never really returned to sci-fi or horror that I know of, so that's kind of what he ended up doing after, which is very interesting when you look at Forbidden World, because it's a very stylized, like, heavy-on-the-gore horror film. Granted, Mm. it's for Roger Corman, so of course it is, but... But, you know, it is surprising to think that he wanted to do documentaries after this. Maybe it was just too much. It was too intense, so he wanted to get back to real life. Yeah, you know, he he blew his load with this and and was just never going to to top himself in terms of of bonkers, monster, gory mayhem. So, (laughs) uh, So the film was written by Tim Kernan. This was his feature debut in terms of writing. Uh, he also wrote a film called The Ghost Warrior, which is about like a masquerading samurai in modern times or something like that. I've never actually right. seen it, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> yep. Uh, and the film stars Jesse Vint as Mike, who appeared in films such as Earthquake and Death Sport. Uh, they they went with a lot of relatively unknowns for the movie, you know, mostly because you know cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 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 Vint had done a little bit before this. Dawn Dunlap as Tracy, who. Got her start in a softcore feature called Laura. And of course then, she fucking did. <laughs> and then also <laughs> appeared in a film called Night Shift. She had, a, she unfortunately had a very brief career, sadly. Uh, didn't really do much after this. I think Aww. she only has about 
six or eight credits to her name, something like that. And she only got the role, actually, because Holzman, had, I think, like, stumbled on to her audition for something else or whatever and, like, fought for her to be in this film. And it kind of became, like, a, a headache between him and Roger Corman because they had already signed this uh, sort of aging playboy actress to play the role. And, and Holtzman wasn't really impressed with this person mm-hmm. and kind of felt that she didn't really fit the character. And, you know, they were doing things like trying to make her look younger with pigtails and stuff. And it just really wasn't oh. fitting what Holtzman wanted for that. Because so, <laughs> she's supposed to be kind of like the younger, sweeter one or whatever. Yeah. So, so that wasn't working out. So he fought for her, eventually got out of the role. Uh, it also stars June Chadwick as Barbara, who went on to do a film called The Last Horror Film uh, in a brief part, which that film's amazing if you've never seen it. One of the earlier kind of found footage films that explores like serial killers, like it follows a serial killer and just kind of, you know, forces you to like see things from their point of view. Very disturbing. <laughs> uh, and she also did This is Spinal Tap, which she's really well known for, I believe. And awesome. then. Uh, was in the series V, did quite a few episodes of that. And then lastly, it has Lyndon Childs as Gordon Hauser, uh, who has over 100 credits to his name, uh, appeared in various TV series, you know, made kind of a career of just doing like little bit roles and episodes here and there. And as always, you know, there's a great cast with this, but we can only mention so many. So, <laughs> uh, so essentially what Forbidden World AK Mutant is about is Mike, this sort of like, I don't even know what to call him, like, space problem solver space cop <laughs> space cop space cop <laughs> troubleshooter i don't know um he is sent to this uh scientific research facility on another planet where they've been experimenting with genetics and whatever to create some kind of food source because the the world's in like a or the galaxy's in like a food shortage or whatever and one of their creations which is like this half half a, I don't, what they call it, a cell, a metamorph, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like half something and half what you could probably guess, but I'm not going to spoil it here. And it's basically this monster that's escaped and is gradually mutating and changing and becoming bigger and nastier. And of course it, you know, begins killing them off and it's up to <laughs> Mike and whoever survives to <laughs> to get rid of it. So, uh, so this film is streaming on Tubi. Highly recommend checking it out there. We are going to spoil everything that we can. Don't want to have it spoiled for you. It's very fun. But if you do not have Tubi for whatever reason, or it's not streaming there for you, uh, I would say this is one worth renting if you're into these really just like sleazy 80s space monster <laughs> movies as much as I am. I fucking adore these films. I, I could watch any one of them many times. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. It's really just like also kind of gorgeous and mm. like super sexy. I'm going to argue that this is the sexiest movie that we've talked about. Yeah, Chris says that. I I mean, we've talked about like well over a hundred movies, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure if there's <laughs> if that's accurate or not. Like, we've talked about some sexy shit. You know, the lore is pretty sexy. That's pretty seductive. Yeah. Um, but but yes, one of the sexier <laughs> movies, I guess you could say. Um, and look, that was a staple of Corman, as I'll get into in a second here. But yeah, so while we're checking out uh, on Tubi or renting it. And so we do have a brief little bit of spoiler-free content before we get into spoilers, so we'll, ju- we'll let you know when we're about to do that. So just, as always, the tagline versus the film, what we think of the movie overall. So the tagline for Forbidden World was, Part alien, part human, all nightmare. 
So what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of Forbidden World overall? Well, fucking spoilers tagline. Come on. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> um, you know. I mean, not that you don't guess that, like, immediately in the movie. But <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Yeah, no, I... Which I guess we just spoiled it, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a fine tagline. Look, for me with this movie, honestly, I really have no fucking clue what's going on for a good chunk of it. Other and nobody than, does. No, it's <laughs> but it's fun, sexy space film. That's what you're getting with this film. And like, I'm in this movie just for like the aesthetic of everything. Oh, like, yeah. this is beautifully shot, weirdly edited together, like in a good I, way, not a like weird bad edited together. Yeah, no, I mean, look, this this is what was great about movies produced through roger corman right is <laughs> like you know the it <laughs> this sounds bad you know but it wasn't always necessarily about the story like it, it really tits well yes <laughs> uh you know corman like for anyone who ever watches a roger corman produced movie and you're like why is this completely unnecessary but pretty hot scene of <laughs> you know, tits or whatever uh, in the film. And granted, it wasn't always hot. You know, sometimes it'd be like monsters getting feely with women. Um, but but if you're ever wondering, like, why that is, you know, Corman basically had sort of style of film and, and a rule for films that he produced, which was that, you know, I, I think it was a requirement of every movie had to have, like, two or three scenes of nudity or whatever. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, there was certain other levels that films had to meet with him. But... But yeah, that's why you see stuff, and that's why in Forbidden World there are a couple scenes that are like, there's no reason for tits to be here, but I'm also not complaining. So. <laughs> you know, we're just going to go with some gratuitous nudity, and it fucking works. Yeah. Like, it works so well with, like, all the other aspects of this movie. Just, like, the soundtrack, the look of everything. The girls are fucking running around in high-heeled shoes that they absolutely should not be wearing because they're researchers. But you know what? I'm here for it. This well, movie is aesthetic and aesthetic only. Well, it's not to say that researchers can't be wearing high heels, but more so, more so that, you know, there are moments in the film where you'd have the women knowing that there's a monster lurking around and they're like walking around bare feet or in high heels, you know, yeah, that, they're that, just that's really the, impractical. Yeah, that, that's the point where it's like, Hey, you know, maybe throw on some space tennis shoes or something. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, Lucy, those space tennis shoes, <laughs> but no. So look, you know, forbidden world, uh, obviously, you know, coming from this Roger Corman world, it, it, <laughs> you know, it, it was Corman basically, uh, was kind of like pumping out movies, right. You know, that was kind of, his thing is they would use and reuse sets and and footage and stuff like that. Uh, it was basically kind of, you know, the the thing that people always liked about working with Corman is that, you know, you were limited by budget, which I always argue is actually good because mm -hmm. it kind of forces uh, the creators to be creative and how to kind of work around things. Yeah. You know, not like today where everything's just fixing and post on this fucking green screen. Uh, which shit. which which is great if you're a filmmaker who doesn't want to deal with those problems, but at the same time, you know, I, I think it limits creativity a little bit on set. But you know, so so they did a lot of that, and Forbidden World was one of these where you know basically the the way that the film came about was that Corman was essentially walking through a set that they were using for another film, and I'm not quite sure what that was. I think part of it was from Galaxy of Terror, part of it might have been from something else, I don't quite remember. But he was walking through the set, and and in particular the spaceship the spaceship set that opens up the movie, and just kind of had the thought of like, hmm, I really like this set, I want to use it for another film. <laughs> and so he hired Holtzman to come in and just shoot, you know, like, like really quickly write these first five, seven pages or whatever, and 
come in and shoot this opening, and then they were just going to figure out a film to put together afterwards. Okay, I love that so much. Yeah, because basically the set was due to be striked on Monday, and so what they did is just over a weekend threw together some pages and and shot this. So that explains a little bit of why the opening is so... So very different <laughs> from the rest of the movie, or maybe doesn't quite establish, you know, the a similar tone, so to speak. Yeah. So you know, they they did that. They ended up using footage from, like I mentioned, Battle Beyond the Stars and all that, and then basically just kind of hired a writer and figured out the script afterwards. <laughs> and this is why we love movies, like yeah. these weird fucking stories about, especially in, I feel like we get them a lot in the horror community which just is like a testament to the creativity and the ingenuity of the horror community of just like, fuck it, we like this set, let's figure out something we can do about it. They don't have it, we, they don't have, we'll fix it in post, they have, we'll fucking write a script later. Yeah, I, and that's the fun thing about horror is you can kind of get away with that, right? Yes. Because as long as, like you see with many of Corman's movies, as long as they're fun and gory and they got cool monsters, you know, that's kind of... All, th- that's like the base need for horror fans. Like, we get that, we'll be happy. Yep. It doesn't make the film great, but that by itself will at least make it like an enjoyable watch, right? Yep. So We're here that, for the cheesy, low-budget horror. Right, and, and funny enough, that's actually not what Holzman originally kind of intended. You know, Holzman basically, when they were doing this, had the idea that he wanted to do kind of like a Lawrence of Arabia-type sci-fi film, uh, mm. which is where some of the desert setting uh, concept comes from. And Corman was basically like, nah, so we don't really have the budget or time for that, so what I'd rather do is rip off Alien. Yeah. You know? and, and that's exactly what Forbidden World is. It's yep. a flat-out rip-off of Alien. Corman says it himself. There's, yep. no, there's no denying it. There's no hiding it. It is a rip-off of Alien. <laughs> and so that's kind of what they went with. And, and look, you know, me personally, I really enjoy this movie. You know, yes. it, it's one that I was less familiar with until over the last few years when I picked up the Screen Factory uh, steelbook for it. Uh, I know I had seen it as a kid, but but it wasn't one that I watched often mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And it just, you know, there was one night where, like, Chris was out with her friends or whatever, and I did a double feature of this in Galaxy of Terror, and Forbidden World was the second one, and it kind of came around when I was at, like, peak enjoying... Highness? Peak enjoying film-enhancing products <laughs> and and forbidden world came around and it gets to you know that kind of wild ending in the movie mm-hmm. and i just sat there like this is fucking great yes because <laughs> it is it's it's pure just bonkers creature feature madness with you know so much good gore and style and, and tits I, and tits and i love the soundtrack to it you know like there's a sex saxophone there, <laughs> this is a yeah. sex space saxophone in this movie. That's not how Chris is saying it, but or, or that's not you know, it's not quite what Chris is describing it as. But yes, there is a saxophone played during a sex scene. It's a sex saxophone. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. See the way you say it, I'm imagining like the saxophone is being used in the act. You know, like stuffing it up, well, what stuffing you... it up the behind, oh. and you know, someone's no toot, just... toot, 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 toot. Ew. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's awful. No, I was just referencing the fact that every good sex scene has weird saxophone jazz acoustics. And this yes. one has a space one. Yes, and it's great. So, yep. <laughs> uh, so oh, and just one last fact, because I, I'm not sure I'm going to mention this later, is that just for funsies, again, going back to the idea that, you know, this was basically a film using reused sets and, and done very quickly. I think it was all kind of shot within 20 days. If you watch the film closely, especially, I think you see this in the... Uh, hallway scenes 
you'll notice that a lot of this set is actually built out of fast food containers. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so like if you want I think I think it's the hallway or some of the hallway scenes, but if you look closely, you'll see that there's a lot of these like box shapes on the walls and those mm -hmm. are basically just like McDonald's containers. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I noticed like egg cartons being used. Yes. Yeah, it's it, all of that. Love that it. that's mostly what the set is was just like food <laughs> containers. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Which actually fits the theme, which we're going to get into now. So, again, if you have not uh, seen the film, streaming on Tubi, go check it out. Rent it there. Otherwise, we're getting into spoiler territory now. So, spoilers. <laughs> All right. So, I feel like, I've a, lot, I feel like I have some, a lot of energy in this episode. <laughs> so, apologies to all of you if I'm, like, all over the place. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, so, let's just start on I, what the film tells us in the <laughs> opening scene here, which is that this is taking place in a future with a food crisis where there are like food raiders and bandits or whatever. And you know, that's the whole thing with them trying that results in this creatures. They're trying to find a food solution. So just like, what are your thoughts on this future proposed to us in forbidden world? Look, I feel like this is a very relatable future. Like I think, especially, you know, where we are right now as society, I think this idea of there being food shortages and what do we do and how do we handle this? Like is a super like solid, relatable, um, you know, plot that we're getting set up with, you know, especially because this is the greatest fear about going into space, right? It's going into space and how are we going to be able to feed everybody, especially when we don't know how well we're going to be able to terraform. I don't, I don't think that's the fear about going into space. I think that's the reason we're going to go to space. <laughs> I mean, we're going to go to space because we fucking murdered this planet and well, we're fucking right. assholes. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, the food concern is always like a huge part of it. How do we terraform? How can we make sure that we have enough like, you know, food and all that kind of stuff. So I do really like this setup for it because like I think all of that is super relatable. Having said that, I don't fucking buy this shit for a second. Okay. Okay, if they're telling me that they have a food crisis, how the fuck are they making strawberry shortcake? That's a goddamn luxury. Like, they have the fucking balls to not only have strawberry shortcake, but then complain about not having whipped cream. And you're in a fucking sh but, food shortage? But you're... No, see, I think you're missing the point there, is that it's not actually strawberry shortcake. It looks it's, like strawberry shortcake. No, it doesn't... <laughs> Really, <laughs> and they they even mentioned that like the whipped cream isn't really whipped cream. You know that mm -hmm. that's the whole point. Is like you know I mean let's be honest, okay? You're you're a dessert person. Yes. Even if we were in a food crisis, you're not going to be the type of person who like just never has dessert again, right? So <laughs> so like unless yeah. unless yep. it is just not available to you, you're gonna eat it. You know so. <laughs> to be fair, I'll just eat straight sugar. You don't even have to make it into a dessert for me. Right, so so I do buy the premise here uh, <laughs> mostly. You know, I, once it gets into like the science -y element of it, I, oh. I get very lost. But <laughs> the, these doctors are terrible. These are terrible scientists. It's, Probably some of the worst we've ever seen. No, it's not even about them being terrible scientists. It's just that none of it makes any sense to me. I don't. <laughs> and, and look, to be fair, I don't think it made sense to the director or the writer or Corman or anybody. Uh, which they will tell you <laughs> if given the opportunity, you know? And so, I, you know, again, this is a movie that you're not watching for the science. No, right? you're watching so, for the tits <laughs> and the alien. Yeah, so, so you know, that, that side of it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, uh, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But, 
but as for the, like the food crisis thing, you know, yeah, I also think it's really interesting. And, you know, it's part of the thing that I love again about horror in general is that to me, horror always speaks the truth. Like it, it is the one genre that I feel like no matter the time period, it's always telling the truth. Yeah. You know, it's always like not every film, but in general, it is a genre that's about telling the truth. It's not about sugarcoating anything. It's not about, you know, whimsical fantasy. It's about straight up truth through horror. And mm-hmm. so at a time where, you know, at a time where science fiction was kind of going like all magical and whimsy and you've got like Star Wars and E.T. and, you know, just like all this really fun stuff, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know, like all of it's very like nice and family oriented. And at the same time, horror was basically like, yeah, no, the future is going to suck. <laughs> and, spa- and space is fucking scary. All right. <laughs> like, you know, and, and so that's, that's something that I love about this as, as bleak as it is, where it's like, yeah, no, it's very relevant. And, and, you know, more so today than it was in 1982, you know, like I'm, I was just hearing recently about how, uh, about how the reservoir, which, you know, contains most of the water that, people in california arizona and others use is basically running on empty just about you know Uh, thanks thanks to global warming and so it's like you know a lot of the things that i think even in 1982 that we thought would be a a long time in the future people's problems you know like like we always like to think like oh it'll be the next generation's problem i won't have to worry about it because we'll be dead by then yeah because we're fucking selfish assholes you know unfortunately for for us a lot of those things are coming to fruition way earlier than we ever thought they would so like we're the generation that got fucked with the future yeah no totally so (laughs) well i mean technically our kids generation is gonna be not our kids but you know this generation's kids are really going to be the ones that are fucked. But, but no, yeah, you know, and so I, I think there's a lot of truth to this movie and the idea that there would be some kind of galaxy wide food crisis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if today there is some kind of secret underground lab somewhere where they are experimenting with this kind of bullshit, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, so this is the fascinating thing. I actually like think that the science for this is relatively fairly sound up until you get to like the monster creation, and then I have. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure fuck. it is. I just don't understand it because I'm a dum dum. So yeah, you're a dum dum. <laughs> I, I am when it comes to science. <laughs> <laughs> the one area I slightly excel. No, but not really. But yeah, it's. I think that that's one of the interesting things with this film is that like it sets up. Yes, the the worry about food shortage you know the almost like mad maxian like terror that comes with that of like he blows up three ships three fucking ships were just hungry because that's i mean to be fair they are attacking him they so are also what attacking else is he supposed him. to do he's not gonna just roll over and be like yeah kill me and take my food <laughs> but i mean i feel like that speaks to like you know where you know this universe is at with this stuff is that the ships can't reach out to each other and be like hey buddy you got like an extra granola bar or some shit like that they're like no fuck you i'm gonna take your shit i'm gonna take your food but then on the flip side, we also have to worry about the scientists who are trying to make things better because they're unethical as fuck doing <laughs> weird experiments. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that's the unfortunate side about science, though, right? Is that like you kind of have to get a little unethical sometimes yep. to to make the future better or at least or at least what you think will hopefully be a better future. That's how you end up with monsters, Matthew. I mean, that's how you end up with monsters, but that's also how we've ended up with a lot of life saving <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> life-saving surgeries and cures and all that kind of stuff is some very, very unethical uh, experimentation and and goes hand in hand. Some some awful shit in history for for how we got some of the knowledge we did. So, you know, so yeah, no, it's. I mean, look, ethics aside, it's it's just a really interesting premise. I do love this kind of setting for it, and and you know the. <laughs> Look, if someone were to ask me truthfully if I think that if I think that Forbidden World has a conscious theme, I mean, <laughs> I think I think that the answer is no. Yeah. You know, this is this is a, this is a Corbin film and, and a script that was thrown together pretty quickly. You know, I'm not I don't think they're trying to say anything with the movie really. Um, but but my interpretation is because I always have one because mm-hmm. why not. Uh, you know, my interpretation is, though, and what I do really enjoy about the film as well and the monster in the film is that, to me, it all kind of goes together with the sort of idea of how, you know, just we as human beings, we are like this cancer that just yeah. eats and eats and eats and devours everything, you know, mm-hmm. like until there's nothing left. <laughs> and and so just being set on this desert planet itself is perfect you know because it's just this wasteland of nothing and and i think and even though it's not set on earth i think it perfectly represents just like what we do you know to a place like earth like i would not be surprised if one if one day earth just looks like this desert planet you know (laughs) we're not far away from that (laughs) we're probably not far from that and you know it just uh, but but it's that but it's that you know metaphor for like the way that we just take and take and take and and leave just everything bare right Mm -hmm. and so which makes the monster perfect because the monster is you know this thing that itself is just eating and eating and eating and growing and eating you know and that's and that's all it does so like we are the monster in the movie yeah i mean like this monster like look the first time we kind of meet it is after it has decimated every fucking lab animal this thing has murdered when it's a tiny little baby goo monster this thing has murdered like 30 animals indiscriminately it's just a bloodbath Fun fact that <laughs> <laughs> that'll depress you is that those animals in the opening of the movie, Please. they're re- they're real. Oh my god, no! <laughs> now, did they murder the animals? No, of course not. No, they oh they would not have gotten away with that. No, they didn't murder the animals. They were taken from a, a shelter that had already done that. <laughs> but those are real animals, which makes some of the other elements of the movie just that much more disturbing (laughs) yeah okay that's a like super fucked up like i guess like points to them for realism but then that also like fucks with my brain because then you have that little like janitor boy what the fuck is his name jimmy yeah jimmy yeah he's Uh, played by michael bowen yeah he's like barely there whatever um (laughs) he's so nonchalantly is just chucking bodies into like a garbage bin and i was just like okay if they're all stuffies i get why he's just like eh whatever it's so much worse that it's actual animals that he's just like chucking willy-nilly yeah, yeah it really makes you question bowen a little bit right that he could just be like a little so, bit of a sociopath so, so nonchalantly just tossing dead animals in the trash like i don't think i could ever do that with as just stone-faced as he is yeah um, and, and yeah I, I don't remember who tells the story but there's a story from someone where they're basically just like yeah so we we shot that scene you know one day and then we had to do pickups the next day and of course everything was left there so by the time they walked in the next morning you know of course it 
Uh, doesn't exactly smell great. Oh my god! <laughs> the the joys of working on low budget film, everyone. Yeah, it's so fucked up. <laughs> Chris and I have been there, not with dead animals, not but, with dead animals. But we've we've been through some hellish shit ourselves. So yep. so no, look, I mean, you know, yeah, the the monster really is just this rampaging thing that just devours for no purpose, really. You no. know, it just it because it like you know like you mentioned, it doesn't really even eat these animals; it just kills them. Yep. And and you know, so it's it's really a good representation, I think, of mankind and, mm-hmm. or of humankind, and just the way that you know that we are towards other life. <laughs> yeah, like for me with this monster, it is. I am so the monster is the most fucked up part of the science in this film because, like, the, well, I would say it's a fucking monster. Yes, it is. <laughs> but like, even how it's even created, it's so far out of like anything that they were doing, or like they say in the movie, so out, so far outside their charter that I'm kind of like, what the fuck were you guys doing? Because, like, the whole setup behind this is, I remember what it's called. It's called Protein B is used mm. in this film to basically, it's um it's an accelerant. It makes things grow really fast, which is a really smart thing to, like, splice with food sources to make them more hardy, make them grow faster. Cool, 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 cool. All that shit. These fucking assholes are like, fuck it. What if we splice Protein B with a human? And there's a part of me like, you're supposed to find food. Why are you fucking around with humans? Are you cannibals? Are well, you wanting to eat other humans? Well, so so honestly, part of my theory about the movie is that they're already doing that. You know, you think they're already eating humans? I do. Like, <gasps> so this isn't soylent green. <laughs> But it could be. <gasps> oh I mean, my god! I, I mean, that's the thing is like you know that's the other kind of dark element of this premise, right? Is that none of us is naive to think that like in a food shortage, there would not be some kind of cannibalism <laughs> in this culture. I mean, we already have cannibalism, you know, and yeah. it's not you know obviously it's not prevalent that we know of, but <laughs> but think- it exists, and and I think just when when you consider you know films like soil and green and that kind of idea and the fact that they're you know that their crisis seems pretty dire that they're doing this experimentation and that they are eating very questionable food you know th- there's nothing there's nothing to tell you that it's not made of people cake is know? people <laughs> cake is people <laughs> the bloody syrup is people that whipped cream is people the pills know? are people it's the all people. people it's all it could all be people for all we know so, so, you know, so to me, it's not necessarily, it wouldn't be surprising if they were trying to figure out some kind of endless, you know, human, human meat supply. Basically, yeah. I, I mean, obviously that's stretching it a bit. I don't mm-hmm. quite think that's what the film intends, but I also don't think that there's anything there to tell you that they're not eating people. You know, maybe they're not aware that they're eating people, but... All these scientists <laughs> have prions disease and they've just lost their fucking shit. They very well could. You don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like the fact that, like, you took my thing and just made it worse. You made it so much worse. <laughs> I was willing to just be like, these are dumb scientists, unethical but- scientists. Listen, as much as I'd love to be an optimist, I'm a realist, which also makes me a pessimist, you know? So, like, I, I have no I, I have no naivety about a future where we're running out of food that, that there won't be companies fucking turning people into food. Like, I, I already suspect that's probably happening. We're all going <laughs> to be in Long Pig. In, so, in some places. So. Well, I mean, that horrible idea aside, I do think that, to, going back to your original point about the monster, this monster is the perfect representation of just the horrible unchecked violence of human nature 
Because, yeah, to your point, like, this monster really does not give a fuck. This monster embodies all of the worst parts about humanity. The fucking, like, creeping in the vents, spying on the sexy times, like, <laughs> gross creepiness well, that happens. Well, so part of that is, uh, so so this is actually intended as part of, part of the concept there is that, you know, this being a, you know, it's part human. Yep. Th- this being a part human thing that's essentially going through like an accelerated puberty that that is intentional like mm-hmm. it's supposed to it is supposed to imply that you know that that puberty and and the creature sort of being like interested in sex and then <laughs> it's voyeuristic teen years yeah it's voyeuristic teen years and it, this is not meant to be implied that i know of but it puts a different context on scenes of like when the creature is watching Tracy through the vent when mm-hmm. she's, you know, tanning or not tanning, but when she's steamy naked or whatever, and it and the camera kind of pans back and there's like all this little goop all over the vent. Oh, you he's know. totally alien jizzed. Well, yeah. Now yeah. I mean w- once I heard the director describe it as like, yes, it is the alien going through puberty, I can't look at that and not think about alien jizz now. Yeah. I just got alien jizz all over the brain, you know? It just <laughs> it just all that over. That sounds it, awful. And my my brain is dripping in this shit, you know? So <laughs> Uh, so, so, but no, it, but there is, but the other side of that is that, you know, with the idea that it is going through puberty and that it does kind of represent this, you know, sort of insatiable un- hunger of human beings is, is just the other idea too, that, you know, a- another running theme for the film isn't just an insatiable hunger for food. You know, there's also this insatiable hunger for sex, you know, <laughs> like this movie is, this movie is all about, uh, a lot of our very primal sort of instincts, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, like the the main character, Mike, represents that really well, where he's this dude who's just like fucking you know, everything. He just he just fucks everything on two legs, you know. Like he, he the the second the <laughs> second that he enters this space station, you know, Barbara is already making like fuck me eyes at him, you know, yep. and and he is so is Tracy. And so is Tracy, and he's making him right back. Yep. And and what does he do? He goes and fucks Barbara, and then like almost ou- fucks Tracy. Well, uh, yeah, hours later, tries to fuck Tracy, and you get the impression that this is pretty much his his style at every station that he drops off at, you know. And and so like he's doing that. The the women have this insatiable you know hunger for him and mm-hmm. and having sex with him, and and the some of the other men in the film, in particular Earl, played by Scott Pollen. You know, you get the sense that that he like craves these women and wants to have them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he, and we see his voyeuristic tendencies in in watching <laughs> Mike <laughs> fuck Barbara on the security cameras, you know, like Ugh. just between, between the men and the women and the monster, like there's just this constant overlapping theme of just like this insatiable hunger for, for everything primal instincts. <laughs> yeah. I think you, we see that best like this, this hunger for violence and sex when Earl is ostensibly getting murdered because we get the flashbacks between, we keep going back and forth between like Earl getting murdered and Mike and Barbara having sex and it keeps going back and forth and back and forth to a point where it almost seems like it's kind of talking about that's the same thing sex and violence they're oh yeah no I I think I think that's very intentional like you know that because that's a that that's a commonly used uh, thing or association in horror movies is that kind of like you know, side by side comparison of sex and violence, they they go together essentially. They're yeah. one and the same in a lot of ways. <laughs> Both are deserving of a sex saxophone playing in the background. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, like and the thing with the creature too is that like us, it's it, it almost well, 
I shouldn't say like us, like our society views us, it, its sole purpose is to grow and procreate. Yeah. And that's and that's really all it is, right? Like that that's its sole purpose is to just grow up and make other baby monsters or whatever. <laughs> or or, ba- or in this case, you know, it doesn't make any babies. Well, right. In this case, well, but it is procreating in a way where it's like creating all these little like, you know, broken down jelly mm-hmm. food sources or whatever, right? <laughs> like it's it's multiplying in a in a in a way. Mm-hmm. But that but that also just ties into, you know, just the general sort of consensus from, you know, the leaders in our society where it's like, I mean, for God's sakes, the the Republicans the other day when talking about abortion basically said, you know, that 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 they were worried about the I, I don't remember the exact term they used, but it was basically it was basically that they're worried about like the baby shortage and they referred to women essentially as like baby making machines, you know? Ugh. And, <laughs> and and like you know, that just so again, it just kinda it's interesting because the creature is being sort of corrupted almost by the human genetics of it, you know? Yeah. Like when you look at this thing, you have to wonder if it wasn't for the the human genes that are within it mm-hmm. and it was just this protein B or or maybe it was blended with a rabbit or something, like would it still be a monster, you know? I don't think like, we'd want it... a rabbit one because that one would fuck and procreate like <laughs> nobody's business. Well, well, look, It'd be like the... the fucking Tribbles from Star Trek. <laughs> well, look, I mean, the rabbit would probably be, you know, humping everything on the goddamn space station Ugh. for sure, but you do have to wonder like is it the human side th- this mixing of a human being with protein b is that what makes it so monstrous yeah you know that that's what i think is an interesting kind of question at the heart of forbidden world is like is that why this thing is so hideous in a lot of ways <gasps> okay know? i will fight you on that because this creature is adorable i did not mean hideous appearance wise oh, okay. i meant hideous personality wise if you want to attribute a personality to this it totally has a personality yeah its its personality is eat everything (laughs) its personality is eat everything and also i'm a lazy cat its personality really is eat a bucket of chicken well well fucking you know that's oh absolutely like if this if this creature you know this creature is like george costanza in that one episode of seinfeld where he's trying to combine eating and fucking, and I, I think it is chicken that he's eating in the Jesus. moment. But, but you know, you get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to touch really briefly on the creature design because, like, if there's any question in anybody's mind if this was a ripoff to, like, Alien or the Xenomorphs, you definitely can tell <laughs> once the creature matures, and it looks like a fat Xenomorph. Oh, I mean, this is this is the alien with a weight problem, you know? Like, it's... Oh, this is, this is the alien and, like, No-Face from Spirited Away had sex and also gave birth to a cat. I fucking love it. It's just a pile of goo with a weird xenomorph face, and I want one. I want to adopt one. P- part of that is because you can't really get a good glimpse of the whole creature. Like, you know, obviously, as it's changing, it does start off as, like, a little stingray blob and then mm-hmm. becomes, you know, and then becomes the, the blobby alien and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final form, though, just based on images i've seen of it and 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 of what they were designing the final form is supposed to be like it's kind of spider-ish like you see on the poster like not it, obviously it's obviously it doesn't look exactly like that or even close to it really <laughs> i wish i fucking love but, that poster oh it's a great poster that that was another thing that corman was always fantastic <laughs> at was just having great artwork for his movies but but no it, it wasn't it, so it didn't look exactly like that but it was supposed to look kind of 
spider-ish, you know, like it did have, I think, like six legs or something like that, that that, that different people were all operating. Uh, so it wasn't quite a blob <laughs> by so, the end. <laughs> that's so sad because you see none of it and it just looks like a blobby goo monster cat. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, part of that is because, you know, the, the editing is so frantic to kind of cover up, you know, for maybe the not perfect uh work on it like mm-hmm. I, I will say i think the team did a really good job on the creature it doesn't mm-hmm. look perfect though you know no, it's, it's fine it, it's kind of it's kind of silly at times it, yeah. it's also kind of terrifying at times like yeah. i think i think when it's chasing uh tracy through the hallways and making that really disturbing like guttural noise like mm-hmm. that should actually kind of scared me a little bit yeah it keeps <laughs> popping up around corners like yeah it's definitely like a scary monster when it wants to be and it's a lazy fat cat when it wants to be i'm okay with either Right. You know, I'm also just having the thought, too, that what the creature technically eats is also kind of similar to, like, what the humans are eating in this future, where... Because they're all eating peoples? Well, peoples, but because because they're all basically eating, like, crappy paste, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just find that kind of interesting, too, where it's like, you know, technically what they ended up designing isn't even really a good solution for the food source because it's still just giving them crappy gel (laughs) (laughs) hey jello can be delicious sometimes human paste (laughs) doesn't that sound appetizing and also as i'm thinking about that that's really kind of fun when you add in the fact that the set is made of food containers (laughs) that this movie is about food (laughs) in in a lot of ways it's perfect (laughs) but look something i something i don't want us to not mention and you kind of referred to it earlier is the whole flashbacks thing because this is this is something that is actually really interesting about the movie. Oh, uh, good, because I don't understand this shit at all, but I think it's hilarious. So I don't under. So I, I think I have an answer. So basically, you know, for me, just the thing I like right off the bat about it is that it's unique. Mm-hmm. You know, like like again, Holtzman being an editor himself, you know, he, I think it was yeah, it was him who kind of came up with this concept of like he wanted. To just basically take, like, all of these ends uh, from the film footage that they have and just kind of splice them all together and sort of see what works uh, for these two different moments. Or for these, I think there's, like, three different moments with these kind of flashbacks yeah. like this in the movie. The, <laughs> the, the one in the middle where Earl is hunting the monster, I think that one works really well because that's basically, you know, Earl is thinking about sex. Yeah. As he's hunting this thing. Again, mm-hmm. that that kind of concept of sex and violence blending together right yeah um it's almost like he has a hard on like hunting this monster (laughs) he definitely does uh the the opening is a little more confusing to me because obviously you know we're not going to sit here and say that mike is like some kind of psychic psychic who's like having a premonition who's like having a premonition about his future you know i mean who knows maybe he is like i'm not i'm not really sure what the fuck that's all about (laughs) uh personally i think it was just to more tits no personally (laughs) personally i think that that was just an editing choice in Mm -hmm. the sense that because that opening was shot you know well before the movie was shot Mm. I, i think it's just a way to kind of tie them together a little bit more the ending, though, is what's interesting. So the ending actually does have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And what that was, and I'm not really sure that this is really clear when you're watching the movie, which is what I think makes it so interesting once you kind of realize this, is that Holzman actually has the intention with doing that to be basically the alien 
kind of having its life flash before its eyes as it dies. <laughs> okay. So, so like this is basically probably the only monster movie in existence. Like I can't think of any off the top of my head. So, so maybe there's some, maybe there's another out there that I'm just not thinking of. So if you know one, you know, go scream at me on Twitter if you want. But the, but this is the only alien or monster movie in existence that I know of where we actually get like the creatures like dying thoughts <laughs> as, as it is dying. <laughs> so you think it's the creatures flashbacks? Oh, it's not what I think. That's straight out what Holzman says. Oh. Holzman actually says, yes, that is what's happening. There is the creature is having <laughs> these, these, these flashbacks to basically it's life. <laughs> okay. That's kind of super dies. sad. It is sad, but you know, I mean, I think that, but, but I, but that's part of, I think what is fascinating about the movie is that again, you know, for, for such a simple kind of silly monster movie, it, it really is in some ways like a, a good sort of exploration of just kind of humanity and mm -hmm. really the shittiness of it, you know, yeah. uh, because you know, you, you do have the idea that, like, this thing is half human, and and they know that, but none of the men treat it yeah. like a human. To them, it's all just a monster. Mm -hmm. You know, so there is, I think, an intentional sadness there in that this thing can't have an existence because of the way it looks, even though it is part human. Yeah, I can understand you know? that. I like so honestly for me, it's good knowing that that's what the intention of those flashbacks at the end. Because for me, the way I taken it was it was Mike kind of having this reflective moment at the end of the cost of all of this. Because yeah, and, and I think that's a good interpretation. Like not knowing the intention. yeah, but you know that's giving Mike way too much credit because he's just like <laughs> he's an idiot. He's just like I, I mean a dumb the, beef idiot. Yeah, I mean in some way. Uh, you know, I mean, this isn't technically accurate, but, you know, if you wanted to, you could make the case that Mike is actually kind of a villain. <laughs> I definitely... At, le at least from the creature's point of view. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely agree, because I think, to your point, yeah, it does create a sadness because regardless of if you view it as Mike's or the creature's, I think that that moment is the reminder of what it costs to be human sometimes. Mm. You know, the, the shit sometimes that we go through and how much we lose sometimes when we're trying to, like, do this other stuff. And I think that ties in really well for what you were saying with just, like, the men really just disregard the creature. Yeah. You know, Mike even has a point where he says, like, in the lab where he's basically like, this thing is fucking other, so I'm going to murder it for no other reason than it's other. Yeah, I mean, that's standard, like, white dude yeah. action, right? It's like, I don't understand this thing, so no. let's I'm going to kill, kill it. it. Right, you know, so, so no, I mean, I again, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, for, again, for just such a campy monster movie, it, it does have those moments where you're kind of like, that's really... Uh, interesting you know mm -hmm. that that's really something because like you do have barbara and tracy uh, in particular barbara getting the idea to communicate with the thing uh which you know mike immediately shuts down when she mentions that is like the stupidest idea he's heard and and it's just like a completely Fuck you space cop she's a doctor 
Yeah, fuck you, space himbo, not quite himbo, because you're not himbo, hot. He's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a blatantly sexist comment. I mean, mm. and, and it's all through the movie. Like, the, these men clearly don't think much of these women beyond no. just being pretty, right? Yep. Uh, which, I mean, unfortunately, was probably the attitude from <laughs> the filmmakers as well. But, but there is, you know, but, but Barbara having that idea, you know, I think does kind of speak really well to sort of the differences sometimes between the way that the way that men and women in general kind mm. of approach things like this, you know, or at least, or at least in the 1980s, how it was done. Uh, it's a little bit better now and still not <laughs> great, far, but... far from perfect, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but like you said, you know, men just immediately have this idea of wanting to destroy, Yeah, you know, that that's just it. Like it, again, the, the barren wasteland, of the setting, the the fact that Mike just wants to kill the goddamn thing the moment he sees it, yeah. like the the second he lays on the, eyes on the cocoon, he's like, "I'm gonna burn it." And granted, <laughs> granted, he ends up being right. Yeah, you know? he probably like, should have, but like he does end up being right. So you, I guess give him credit where credit's due. Yeah. But but it's still it's still touching on that idea that like men just want to destroy. Yeah, and and Barbara is the only character along with Tracy who she convinces to sort of be like. It doesn't have to be kill, 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 you know? Yeah. Uh, like, we can try to just talk, mm -hmm. uh, you know? Like, did you think about that? Do you think about just trying to talk if the thing is part human? Like, she's the only one who actually sees any semblance of humanity in the thing. Yeah, it's so... This is the only part of the movie that kind of bums me out if I think about it too much. Most of the time, I can just service level, and it's not going to bother me. But when I really look at, like the men versus the women in this film, it hardcore yeah. bums me out. Because we've got three women, um, one of whom we never meet, but they all kind of represent kind of these shitty mentalities that men have of women because they kind of fit into these, like, stereotypes. Because Annie, who we never meet, is kind of the way men, to your point with kind of what you are saying with Republicans earlier, she's kind of treated as, like, the, the breeding mare. Mm. You know, this is a lab. This is a high-tech lab. You probably could have grown that without inserting it into some woman's womb. Like, yeah. do you not have the technological skills for that in the future? But she is sacrificed on the altar of scientific discovery, um, as a lot of women are. Tracy, on the other hand, is the, the innocent ingenue. She's, you know, super innocent. She screams at everything. She doesn't really have a thought in her head. Gorgeous woman, but there are no brain well, thoughts. Well, and, there, and there's a separation there, too, between how the film approaches men and women, because mm -hmm. uh, e even just down to the wardrobe, you know, where it's, yeah. like, um, where it's like Jimmy, you know, he's got the blue mm -hmm. suit on or whatever, and, and Tracy, Tracy has the pink, pink suit. And, and, you know, so just right away, it's using those, like, stereotypical yep. ideas of, like, oh, women wear pink and boys wear blue, which is, all, of course, all a bunch of bullshit. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then, like, you've got Barbara, who is, you know, bums me because she is super smart. And to your point, she's trying to communicate. She's trying to, like, take us into the future we deserve where we kind of talk and we try to work things out. And she's kind of ends up becoming the victim of, like, men kind of thinking about women being too uppity or thinking above their station sort of a thing because, you know, Mike Mike tells her that it's the dumbest idea and we know that it's a good idea. Like, that's what she should have done. But it's weird because then he gets almost proven right because she tries to communicate, she tries to coexist, and then she gets fucking stabbed with a tentacle. <laughs> well, it's more than that. So, I mean, you know, 
lo- lots to respond to there. So basically, <laughs> you know, the thing with the thing with this scene is, is like, yes, I mean, you know, sometimes we got to remember that this is 1982. Yep. And Which I, tr- I try not to think too hard about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we got to remember it's 1982, and so you know, some of the some of the messages aren't exactly uh, perfect, yeah. right? So. Um, so, so there is definitely kind of a, a step back once you realize that Barbara is doing the humane thing, but the humane thing turns out to be incorrect, you know? Yeah. Now, the thing, so, so while that's a bummer, I do still think that it is part of the point of the movie, mm-hmm. because, you know, if you want to, you can essentially assume probably that the creature it's human side. It's a le- dude. That's le- that that yeah. alien's a dude. Yeah, it's human side <laughs> leads towards male, right? It's not. It's yeah. not. It's not getting all the violence, the aggression, the, a, the creepy sexiness. Yeah, it's not getting all goopy over Mike, right? It's getting goopy Nobody over Tracy goopy and Barbara. <laughs> well, it's not getting goopy over the dudes, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you definitely get the impression that the creature's probably male, mm-hmm. and and Barbara's death, you know cements that because the creature is absolutely like that death is intended to be a uh, you know through the cooch yeah yeah <laughs> and and which which uh, the actress actually kind of fought against mm-hmm. um because she didn't she didn't want that image of the tail actually being implied to have gone through her mm-hmm. and so that was an area where her and the director kind of had to fight a bit but yeah no so so essentially what you're kind of getting there is that you know if you want to look at it in any sort of way that makes sense, it's really, to me, just supposed to be like, she has the right idea. It's just that, unfortunately, in a male-dominated world, Mm -hmm. that idea isn't appreciated or respected, and in dealing with this male monster, you know... Coexisting just isn't possible. Well, I don't want to say that it isn't possible, because I like to think that men and women can coexist, but... (laughs) But I think that it's supposed to, it's implying that, like, you know, again, there's too much, there's there's so much of that primal violence and animosity uh, within men that that it's just, it's just an implication of, like, with men, there is no talk. It's just violence, Mm -hmm. you know, and... Rapey violence. Yes, rapey violence. (laughs) And... And, and so I, you said it, not me. And so <laughs> that's you know, what I'm here for to say the tough things. <laughs> and so, so you know, I, I think that that's the the downer, but sort of truthful element of this is that you know, unfortunately, we live in a society that is male dominated, and mm-hmm. that mostly means that you know, there there are a lot of leaders that are pushing for violence rather than working things out. Yeah, so. <laughs> they're thinking with their with their little brain, not their big brain. Right, exactly. They're trying to prove how how big their little brain actually is. Instead. <laughs> Which is, look, if you're resulting to that kind of violence, your little brain is real fucking tiny, bro. Yeah, you're covering up for a lot. You know, yep. if you gotta if you gotta nuke someone to prove how big your brain is, you know <laughs> <laughs> We probably need a microscope. And and then the thing with Annie too, you know, like so she she is a sacrifice. She's a willing sacrifice, uh, according to the movie, but mm-hmm. Um, but that also feels like really timely now too, because you know, even though she is willing, and there's no sense that she was made to do this, mm-hmm. um, it still does kind of give off that sort of vibe, though, of like, or or that interpretation of how, you know, and maybe this is just me living in the society that we're in currently uh, that's making me think think about it this way. But it's like, again, that idea of just kind of using women for pregnancy, yep, and and. It, it, in a sense, it's almost like a forced birth. Like she's not forced to do it, 
but you know because it's this experiment and all that kind of stuff it 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 sort of feels like kind of thematically a representation of how you know in our modern society again this is made in 1982 it's 2022 now but you know we had abortion issues then too of course it, it is it is sort of this feeling of like you know maybe it's meant to sort of imply of how women are kind of forced to you know carry these dangerous pregnancies mm-hmm. sometimes and and she kind of dies for that and fun fact to lighten the mood here for a second <laughs> the the one time you actually see annie which is in the photo in the locker room uh that is actually the composer susan justin Aww. Uh, who also, if I remember correctly, did the uh, sound effects for the alien, like the gurgling and stuff like that. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she seems like a badass. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, no, so there's, so there's a lot of that there. So look, I we could talk about that probably yeah. for a while. So let's just, uh, we got to start wrapping up though. So, you know, just what about the ending of this? Like, just, you know, <laughs> just the whole, the whole damn Enchilada (laughs) with liver ripping out. All of it. (laughs) I mean, the ending is so fucking like bonkers. Like, I don't even really understand what's happening, and I love every second of it. My personal favorite part of the ending, because the ending is where we realize that ostensibly, if you give a creature cancer, it will vomit pink goo and die. Well, I mean, (laughs) it's the new kids' book. If you give a creature cancer. Well, I think the kids' book would be titled "Everybody Gets Cancer." Everybody gets cancer. <laughs> Little cancer for everybody. Which I don't, you know, which is technically true. I mean, if you live long enough, everyone will get cancer eventually. Horrifying. Oh, yeah, but like, I just. I love this ending because so little of it makes sense. It's so intense. I personally love, like, I am Mike doing open surgery on Cal, who, by the way, we have barely talked about Cal, the scientist who's smoking the entire time, and is covered in blood the entire movie. Yeah, played by Fox Harris, uh, who who apparently was that way in person like love it. Uh, just a total character from what i understand <laughs> i love it like this dude the entire movie is just walking around in blood-stained clothing and nobody gives a shit well, well, that's he probably what... murdered some of those animals well, and that's part of what i love about this movie too like we mentioned it before but just how gory it is yes like every fucking scene in the movie has mm. blood splatter somewhere yes. <laughs> well and, like you have this scene where he's doing the surgery and like he has cut cal open with a knife and then Mike, the big dum-dum he is, instead of cutting out the cancerous material with a goddamn knife, he just rips it out of Cal with his bare hands so, and then goes, look, Cal, we did it to the dead man on the operating table. So, so that's actually a thing. So according according to the director, uh, that was something that he actually witnessed, I think, in the Philippines, he said. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah, during, during wartime, I think he said that was something that he witnessed where, like, the... The uh, I don't know if they were technically doctors or, or whatever, but um, but that he would witness, you know, these kind of like cancer operations where basically they were like pulling the tumors off of the organs. And so that was kind of what inspired that Holy whole scene. Fuck, dude, <laughs> so, what is your life? Well, it was 1982. You know, we uh, people forget this, but cancer wasn't exactly like as prevalent as it is now in 1982, Man. you know, so so we were kind of treating it a little bit differently. So. Um, no, I mean, look, th- this is again, uh, a fascinating element of it or, or that ties in really well to the theme is I, to me, I just take it as like, you know, we die by our hunger, mm-hmm. like, like, uh, the hunger of humanity is what eventually destroys us. Like, not just, again, not just for food, but just the way that we are so insatiable. I mean, it's in, 
you know, we're a cancer. Well, we are cancer, but I mean, this shit is, you know, this shit isn't everything Mm -hmm. with humans. Like, and, and we all have sort of that different insatiable need, but we all have some kind of insatiable need, you know, uh, whether it's like food, sex, violence, uh, sugar, <laughs> sugar, <laughs> uh, which I would tie to food, um, yeah, you know, separate category, whatever, uh, you know, all that stuff. Like we, we have an insatiable lust for it and, and human beings, unlike animals just cannot be satisfied, No, you know? And, and so I sort of take it as like that that sort of death by that inability to be satisfied and to just let things be mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, what we are, which is basically just devouring everything until it's all gone, you know? So, so I kind of take it as a little bit of that. I like the inclusion of the cancer thing, which, mm-hmm. um, which was Roger Corman's idea. Apparently uh, he wanted to see something very unique for the way that the monster dies. And mm-hmm. I think it works. I can't, yeah. can't think of another film at this time or before it that you know had had done this <laughs> where he fist uh, uh fist fights an alien and then shoves a cancerous liver into its goddamn mouth yeah well and it eats it you know yep. so so that's the thing is it eats it it doesn't spit it out it actually just eats it it would be rude <laughs> it was a present indeed. this is not a rude alien indeed so so you know the other part of that too is like them them fucking around with these food source developments and everything you know i i view that too as like actually being sort of predictive of kind of the way our food is treated now where it's i I mean like go to your grocery store and look at the ingredients for basically anything i do this because i have health issues so i have to look at you know ingredients for stuff but it's like go to your ingredient go look at ingredients on packages for food i mean you won't recognize what 75 percent of that shit is you know, you're basically just pumping your body full of chemicals. Don't worry, I'm and, eating all of Matt's chemicals. And 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 you know, all these all these companies are are feeding you all these chemicals because it's cheaper for them to make it that way. But delicious. <laughs> you, know, you know, so so I mean, it's no wonder that like cancer has been on the rise for decades. Uh, you know, so I sort of also interpret this as like kind of being about that and like how the way that we fuck with food too, you know, creates this sort of cancer that eventually you know, kills a lot of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, what a downer. This, that's, that's... For, for a sleazy, <laughs> fun, schlocky space horror film. Yeah, that's, a, that's such a downer of a theme for such a fun movie. Um, <laughs> forget everything I said. Men in black, brain wipe, you know. <laughs> Go have fun with Forbidden World. Uh, so, um, so we do have to start wrapping up. So who is your killer idiot of Forbidden World? Okay, so my killer idiot is whoever the fuck designed Mike's spaceship. Not the production designer. They're geniuses. I love them. But the design of the spaceship, when he's doing evasive maneuvering in the beginning, is he's flipping switches and hitting buttons. How the fuck does that work? What a random thing to say for a killer idiot. Um. <laughs> it is. It's killer idiocy for a spaceship design. Again, this is not shade at the production designers because I love them. This is shade well, at somebody not giving him a goddamn like well, steering wheel. Well, you can't shit, shit on them anyway because, like I said, I'm pretty sure that footage is is reused footage. Why? <laughs> um, fucking switches. I mean... How do you turn a ship with a switch? I mean, who cares? <laughs> what? <laughs> It's like it's like a video game controller, you know. You don't. I mean, Chris, I grew up in in the fucking. You have toggles on your video games. I grew up in the fucking uh, 
90s where our controllers were like left up right and down pads. this bitch it's doesn't a, even have that he flips a toggle it's not a fucking wheel i'm just saying you can you can do that with buttons like anyway whatever uh, <laughs> so, no my my killer idiot is jimmy of obviously course, well of course it's fucking jimmy mm-hmm. this dude is tasked with cleaning up the goddamn alien out of the incubator and and what does he do he opens the thing and sticks his head in <laughs> to fucking stare at it inches away from it with his stupid face <laughs> And then he leaves it open, and the thing hatches, and then gets on his stupid face. <laughs> Dude, he's not even supposed to clean up the incubator. He's supposed to leave it the fuck alone and just well, watch it. Well, right, so there you go. Really, he's, yeah, he's really an idiot. fucking stupid. Yeah, Jimmy deserves to get eaten. <laughs> Jimmy definitely deserves to get eaten. I'm yep. glad he dies first. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I'm glad we didn't have to have his stupid face around for the rest of this movie. <laughs> he's way too comfortable touching dead bodies anyways. Yeah, no, that that is really disturbing once you think about the fact that those are real animals. Yeah, it's real <laughs> fucked up. Uh, what about your killer death? See, for me, that's Jimmy. I fucking love Jimmy's death because it's so fucking weird. He gets a fucking, like, stingray liver to the goddamn face mm. and proceeds to give, I feel like, one of the best, like dude screams ever as he flails around the entire lab destroying shit beating his fists on the table where there's full of glass screaming his fucking head off i no, love no, it's it great. it's a great death they, again you know they, you know it's excessively violent like <laughs> like it really demonstrates how much fucking pain jimmy is in <laughs> and, and it's a fuck ton and it's a fuck ton but no yeah no it, it's super violent it's great i love just blood spraying fucking everywhere yep. you know and, it, and it's the moment that i think really sucks you into the movie because it's like oh okay i'm in for a gore fest with this <laughs> you know um and and these are the movie this i can say is these are the movies i do miss seeing more of now where they're just just sleazy stupid gory mm-hmm. creature features with practical effects galore you know like yep. we just Man, do I miss that. <laughs> it's not like we don't still get it, but man, did we used to get more of it. And I, yeah. I, I'd love to have more of it again. Um, but but no, my killer death is going to be Barbara just because. Um, look, I mean, as awful as it is, it's still a good death. I mean, it's pretty, you know. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of blood, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's intense, obviously, mm-hmm. but, but it's a... It's a good death, you know, and the thing that I do like about it is this being a ripoff of Alien, uh, we kind of get to see in Forbidden World what we didn't get to see in Alien, because... A um, tail death? Well, because the same thing is implied in Alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, her name is slipping my mind at the moment, not Ripley, but the other female character, she... Oh, I don't like her, that's fine. She... <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, she, she dies that way, like, that's mm-hmm. implied because you get the shot of the, the alien's tail going between her legs... Uh, but you don't see it. And so I feel like Forbidden World was basically like, yeah, we're a ripoff. We're going to show you that <laughs> shit, you know? Like, we're we're the sleazy version of Alien. Um, so we get to see it. And, it, you know, it, it's, 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 what a I, good, yeah. it's, it's what I imagine. It's pretty fucking intense yeah. and awful. <laughs> so, uh, what about your killer MVP? Yeah, for me, that goes to the production designers. Like, this, this spaceship is so cool. It's so mm. detailed. It's so well done. Like, I just, I love everything that they kind of did with it, and I, I feel like I really miss this type of set design because a lot of set design, it feels like people want to keep shit, like, sleek nowadays, and they want to keep it smooth. And, like, 
this says just like, no, fuck it. This is the future. We've got fucking egg carton walls. We got Burger King walls, apparently. <laughs> like, we have a weird couch that does not look comfortable to sit on at all. Like, yeah. this is what I want for future design. Yeah, you know, I mean, this applies to everything, really, in, in film, is that there's just such an emphasis on cleanliness in I movies now. I want clean. I want and chaos. No, and, well, and look, and this is what I like about, you know... <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm some kind of like purist or something like that. Like I love a lot of new movies. Mm -hmm. I watch a lot of movies and I love a lot of them <laughs> that are new. Right. Um, but, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't really miss some things from older films, mm -hmm. you know, and a variety of that relating to the lack of cleanliness <laughs> from it then. Cause there was a lack of perfection and mm -hmm. granted if those filmmakers could do things that they could do now back then, they would do the things that we could do now. Like, we have to be honest about this. Yeah. They would do it because they would want it to look better, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but I mean, you know, just like the graininess of the picture, the the kind of shittiness of, <laughs> of the ship and the production design using cartons, you know? Yeah. Not, not to call it shitty because it's not shitty because it still looks good, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it's it's not exactly perfect. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, God, for God's sakes, even, even characters' wardrobe you know, in older films would be, like, dirty. And now in newer films, you know, you can have people working out in the desert and they're wearing, like, it's all brand... Clean. They're wearing, like, brand new clothes, you know? <laughs> These dudes have fucking sweat stains on their clothes, like, right. in this movie. And it's it's a thing... What I like about this production design that I think is missing in some modern stuff is this feels human. It feels mm. lived in. It feels like the type of environment because... Yeah, I think, I think lived in is a good way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, there's a lot of humans who like minimalism and clean and stuff like that. But there's a lot of humans like me who want texture and chaos. And that's what they would surround themselves with. Well, again, I mean, Forbidden World's a very texturized film. Mm -hmm. It's very stylistic. I love... I love the lighting of it, the look of yep. it. The, I mean, the color design is really, so really good. fantastic in the film. But but I'm I'm gonna give my killer MVP to to John Carl Beekler uh, who did the effects just because you yeah. know I mean this this movie's an effects extravaganza and considering that they really didn't have much prep time especially with the script <laughs> kind of not being finished and changing you know uh, it's a difficult job like mm -hmm. they really had a difficult task ahead of them to be doing so many creature effects on a low budget and you know Beekler wasn't the only effects designer but I obviously want to shout him out you know rest his soul. Uh, Beekler was a fantastic effects designer and he came he basically came onto the film because you know he he had also heard that like he he wanted to be a director and he also knew that working with Roger Corman was mm -hmm. a good path to directing and so you know he basically called Roger up and was like hey I'm an effects designer and you know here's my portfolio and I'd love to you know, work for you at some point. And Roger was like, oh, well, I'll bring you on the next thing that we're doing. And that next thing happened to be for in world. Um, so that's kind of how we got the job and eventually did lead to Beekler directing. He actually directed Friday 13 part seven, uh, as Chris will enjoy. So. Yeah. Do you enjoy my Fridays? Um, but no, I just think his design work is incredible. I, I really love the, the sort of like half, dissolved uh hauser oh, <laughs> corpse so good <laughs> all the corpses are fantastic in this yeah they're all great it, it's kind of like a precursor too to some of the stuff you would sort of see in deep rising although that's mm -hmm. more uh digitized mm -hmm. uh, but it was a similar concept because deep rising the monsters in that film kind of like eat you alive <laughs> in their digestive system and so <laughs> so you sort of like dissolve like that but anyway that's beside the point um 
So we always like to put up a poll on Twitter every week at Killer Critics. Going to get your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on Forbidden World? Oh, I feel like this one is tough because it's a Roger Corman film, which means people are going to like it. But it might also be kind of obscure, so maybe a lot of people haven't seen it yet. I'm going to go with like it. Incorrect. Uh, ah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so love it was 11.1%. Uh, it's fine was 19.4%. Don't like it was 0%. Oops. And never seen it was 69.4%. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, no, I'm actually not super surprised no. by this. Uh, because again, it's a Roger Corman produced movie. He didn't mm. direct it though, uh, so so it's not like you know Roger Corman enthusiasts would have sought this out immediately. The, the thing with Forbidden World is that it actually took a long time to find its life because uh, so so it is much more underseen than you would expect. So what kind of happened with Forbidden World, and I meant to say this earlier, is that. When when they first screened it, uh, somewhere here in Los Angeles, I think I think actually in Culver, if I remember right, um, they screened it, and the the cut that Screen Factory put out, uh, which is a cut that's been available since sometime in the two thousands, I think, is the cut that played at that screening, mm-hmm. uh, where it's kind of like more humorous and fun and all that kind of stuff, and. Apparently, I didn't know this about Corman, and so apparently Corman and I have some disagreements uh, on <laughs> on the way to approach horror like this, where apparently Corman is not really a fan of uh, people laughing at what he perceives to be unintentional uh, unintentional humor. So, so when the film played, According to everyone who was there, it, it was a riot and people were having a great time. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a really well-known story where uh, where one audience member was just laughing so much that Corman actually like slapped him or punched oh him or God. something like that, and and told him to laugh again or was or whatever. And and basically, this all led to Corman essentially cut out a lot of the humor which he perceived as being unintentional humor, and. It, then the film kind of basically played as like this just this really dry sort of oh. monster movie, right? And and it wasn't until later that, you know, the the director's cut, I guess you could call it, uh, was let out into the world. So so it really didn't find life for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. And and but which is unfortunate because it, it is actually a really fun, yeah. you know, decent movie. And so um so I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, again, nineteen eighty two as well, like I feel like anything that's older than 2000 now is considered like old, you know, the same mm-hmm. way that when I was growing up, if it was made before the seventies, people just didn't watch it, which, you know, is stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully this will inspire some people. If you really like, you know, sexy space horror to go check this out. Exactly. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, for, for those 69.4%, hope you go check it out. This film is a blast. Uh, so we always get comments from you all as well. So of course, because most of you hadn't seen it, we didn't really get many comments. So we just have one, and that's from and this is from Twitter at uh, Andrew Matson eighty six. So that's Andrew M A D S E N, and the numbers eight six. And they say solid enough flick. I liked it. Yes, agree. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Although I would I would argue that I I loved this film. 
think I love this film. You love it. I yeah. like I like it. You know, I don't know if love's the word I would put to <laughs> it, but I do really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have much to add to that other yeah. than, yeah, no, just thank you for that. And, and thank yeah. you at Andrew Manson 86 for the comment. Appreciate it. Um, so uh, our releases for the, or we always like to put out our releases for the week as well. So this week has actually got some pretty fun stuff coming out. So first up is a film called Glorious, which will be on Shudder by the time you're listening to this. And this is a film from director Rebecca McKendry, who did the anthology uh, All the Creatures Were Stirring, uh, which is really fun. And this is a great premise. It's basically about uh, a guy who finds a Lovecraftian creature in a bathroom stall behind a glory hole at a lonely oh, rest stop. <laughs> okay. And, and it's not what you think. So... So this is just a really fun horror comedy that is just all kinds of cosmic madness, you know. Um, I had a I had a really good time with it. You can read my review for it on KillerHorrorCritic.com, uh, but definitely check that out if you can. Uh, next up is Orphan First Kill. So this is a pre a prequel to the 2009, I think it was, film Orphan, with Isabel Furman returning as Esther, the you know basically psychotic woman with a genetic disorder who looks like a child. And so this, this being a prequel, it kind of takes us back to Esther's whole escape and what happened before the events of Orphan. It's really fun. It's pure camp. Like the film, the film knows exactly what it is. Uh, Isabel Furman is fucking fantastic. And it's just a really fun, bloody, stabby time. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So I, I highly recommend it. It was so much better than I thought it was going to be um definitely lived up to my expectations uh so definitely check that out if you can you can also read my review for that on killerarchrate.com and then lastly is the idris elba film beast uh in which idris elba plays a man who's with his family out in africa i think it is and they encounter a man-eating lion (laughs) that has trapped them and is hunting them uh, I have not seen this one, but hopefully it'll end up being pretty good. It looks fun. It's got Idris Elba. It's got Idris Elba. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need anything else. Exactly. Um, so those are your releases for the week. Uh, that'll be in theaters. And then next week, we're going to be talking about the film, the classic, <laughs> cult classic, Basket Case. Uh, so that is streaming on Shudder and Tubi. So you can check it out there. Do your homework there. Otherwise, that's to do it for us and Forbidden World. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. Thank you.